So this morning, we hear the familiar old story about Jesus and Peter and how they got into a big fight. The Bible says they rebuked each other, but that's a very polite translation. One scholar says the best translation is they said to each other, shut up! Shut up, Peter says. No, you shut up, Jesus answers. In fact, get behind me, Satan. All the, all the other disciples went, <laughs> The thing that got Peter so upset was this crazy idea that Jesus had, which was that they were going to go to Jerusalem and he would be handed over to the authorities and killed. And who can blame Peter for saying, shut up to that? After all, that was not the plan. You know, the plan was they were going to march to Jerusalem and a host of angels would descend from heaven and slay all the Romans and establish Jesus as the divinely appointed king. So when Jesus says, no, when we enter Jerusalem, we'll be marching toward my excruciating death on a cross, Peter is understandably upset. I mean, who wouldn't be? None of us would want to hear Jesus talk about getting crucified. None of us would be thinking, oh, yeah, right, the cross, that's good. Great idea, Jesus. In fact, death by crucifixion was such an awful way to die that Cicero said there is no fitting word that can possibly describe a deed so horrible. So shut up, Jesus. In my younger years, I myself was entirely mystified by this whole business with the cross. I was like Peter to Jesus. I just could not figure out why Christians put the cross of all things at the center of their religion. I mean, I was a religion major in college. I took this whole question pretty deeply and I did not find a meaningful answer I even made fun of Catholics with their bloody crucifixes. And I went off to seminary thinking, well, I was going to be one of those other kinds of Christians, you know, the ones that find meaning in, I don't know, love, right, rather than a grisly death. But I got no answers there in seminary, in seminary and after a year, I dropped out and I vowed never to have anything to do with Christianity ever again in part because I just could not figure out this weird obsession that Christians seem to have with the cross. I mean, I wanted to live in a world without crosses, without execution chambers, without lynching trees and gallows. Why were they making this the central symbol of their faith? And then one Sunday morning, Everything I thought I knew about Christianity and the cross just shifted in an instant. I was 25 years old. I was living in Boston. I was deeply depressed because I had lost my faith. And the only work I could find was as a temp typist because sadly the only marketable skills that a guy with a bachelor's degree in religion from a weird seminary out, in a weird college out in Portland, and a seminary dropout to boot, 
that was my only marketable skill was typing. And, um, and then I met my future wife, and after a while, despite my poverty and my depression and my dismal prospects, she agreed to marry me. <clears throat> and she said she wanted to get married in the most beautiful church that she had ever been into, which was Trinity Episcopal Church in Copley Square in Boston. And when she said that, my eyes rolled back in the back of my head, and I just lowered my head and I just said, please, God, no, not an Episcopal church, please. But she said, just come with me just once, see for yourself. So there I was on a Sunday morning, sitting in the middle of this absolutely gorgeous church. Has anybody been to Trinity Copley Square? You know what I'm talking about. There was this exquisite huge choir singing Mozart, and there was this brilliant preacher who delivered a very impressive sermon that went right over my head. And I found myself sitting there staring up at this cross, this beautiful Byzantine cross hanging above the altar. And once again, this question just leapt up in me, what is it about these Christians and this cross? I just don't get it. And then this little voice inside of me spoke up. It said, well, Matthew, these Christians seem to believe that their God is up there hanging on that cross, dying. And suddenly I was like Peter trying to shut up Jesus. I was looking up at that cross in all of my depression and my confusion and my sorrow and anxiety and poverty and soul-crushing pain just welled up in me. It was like this vomit of self-pity that just poured out of my soul. And I found myself saying, I'm the one on the cross. I'm the one that's dying here. And I meant it. I felt like I was nailed up there writhing in pain. And this incredibly patient, soft voice inside answered. It said, well, Matthew, okay. But these Christians, and I know this sounds crazy, but they say that it's God up there on the cross. And that kind of stopped me in my tracks, and I just thought, all right, it's God on the cross. And then all of a sudden, there was this golden energy in the middle of my chest, kind of like a golden egg, kind of like the size of an ostrich egg, radiating light. Beneath all the muck and the darkness and the sorrow, all that despair and anxiety and self-pity, I allowed this one crazy thought. No, it's, it's not me on the cross, that's God there, or, or is it me? And the very center of my chest, this pure, uncorruptible light. And I thought, oh, right. So as Christians believe in that whole resurrection thing, God can't die. 
But wait, God is in me. And there was this pure presence of life and healing light at my very core. And I realized all of my pain and anxiety and self-pity that I'd felt, was just, I was just mucking around on the surface of who I was. Meanwhile, just underneath that surface was this golden light. And that no matter how broke I was, no matter how much despair I felt, no matter how much suffering came my way, I knew then and there that nothing could separate me from that golden, radiant light. Because that light was God. And also me on the most fundamental level. And in that moment, my depression just lifted like a veil, just blew away. And I thought, oh, so that's what these Christians have been talking about all this time. Finally, now I get it. And in that moment, I knew I could go back to seminary and become a priest. Now, 40 years later, approaching the end of my career as a priest, I have become ever more deeply aware, you know, the world is filled with so many crosses. Yesterday, I learned, for example, from a detailed study by Brown University, something about the true death toll extending from that fateful day 20 years ago. First, of course, the nearly 3,000 people lost on 9-11. But then since then, 15,000 US soldiers and, uh, and contractors working for the Defense Department. In addition, almost 200,000 national and military police who died fighting on our side. And we killed 600,000 Afghanis, Iraqis, Yemenis, Pakistanis, and Syrians, over half of whom were civilians. More than 300,000 civilians in some over 800,000 deaths caused directly by the violence of war, and many more times than that, easily over a million additional civilians who have died from the loss of food and water, sewage, medical systems, and war-related diseases. So many crosses. And I don't mention this to score political correction points. I mention this to invite us all to take a moment and simply bear witness to the cross. Because like Peter, our first inclination, my first inclination is to say, shut up! I don't want to hear about it. And when I do, I want to stop up my ears. I don't want to take it in. And this gets us finally to the question that's been chasing me down the street for the last several months. What do I do with all of these crosses? 
How do I carry all this pain and suffering in this world? How do I stay open to the world when the world is so filled with pain? Which leads to that first question about Christians. What is it with their fascination with the cross? To which I now answer with another question. Back in the first century, why was it that it was the early Christians who chose to feed the hungry when everyone else just accepted death by hunger as the natural order of things? Why was it the early Christians who began caring for widows and orphans while the rest of Roman society let them languish and die as beggars on the street? Why was it the early Christians who refused to serve in the military? Why was it the early Christians who invented things like nurses and hospitals? I'm thinking, and this is just a theory on my part, but I'm thinking that maybe it's because of this thing that Christians have with the cross. Because it has this effect on us. It helps us to see that crosses happen whenever God meets the world. It helps us experience the pain of this world, not just as our pain, but as God's pain. And because it's God's pain, we can bear it. Which means we can bear witness to it. We can see it for what it is and not be overwhelmed by the sorrow of it. We can see the homeless elderly lady picking through the trash, looking for a discarded half a sandwich, and see Christ in her. Just as we feel Christ in us, Christ on the cross. And that experience compels us not to turn away, but rather to look more deeply and to see if maybe we can't find a way for her to get a decent meal. I don't know, it's just a theory, but it's a theory that has kept me going now these past 40 years. Through countless deaths in hospital beds, endless stories of tragedy and sorrow, in the end, in the presence of all the grief and pain of the world, I find myself up there with Mother Mary and Mary Magdalene on that trash heap called Golgotha, and we are bearing witness. We've not run away because we have found the undying love that overcomes all sorrow, because we have caught a glimpse of that golden light in him and in us. So that wherever we are after that, even standing by a hospital bed, holding your hand and chanting prayers, watching those final breaths and listening to that faltering beat, even then we can bear witness until the moment when you are released from your cross and you rise in glory, and we can sing through the tears, Alleluia. <laughs>